following podcast may contain spoilers, profanity, and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed. We don't always take ourselves or the subject matter seriously either. Listener discretion is advised. The following is a Galactic Network podcast. Welcome to the Alien Invasion number 245, recorded on Thursday, May 31st, 2018. My name's Dave Nelson. His name is Brad Ludwig. Hello, Brad. Hello. This is what we have coming up on this episode. The results from the first ever Alien Exo Civilization study are in, and we'll tell you what they are and what they recommend. A square craft in the sightings. It's so square. Plus, our picks and warnings feature. Before all that, though, our question. Dave? Huh? Dave? Huh? Hey, Dave, what's the question? If you could visit any Star Trek planet slash civilization, what would it be? Huh. That's a tough one. There's so And that's the entire Star Trek universe. All oh. the different shows. Oh, okay. And movies. Star Trek TV show episodes and movies. Animated series? Included. Okay. I think I'm going to go with the planet of the portal that you can jump through to different times. Uh, The Guardian? Yes, the Guardian on the Edge of Forever, or the Guardian of Forever, or whatever his name is. Because not only are you visiting an alien planet, but you can travel to other time periods in the history of the universe because i'm guessing it's not just earth history right they just showed earth history on that episode but i'm sure it's it's throughout the entire galaxy yeah it can't be limited to just earth people yeah plus if the klingons or the borg or whatever bad alien is after you attacks, you can just jump through and they can't follow you because you're somewhere in history. Exactly. (laughs) The only hard hard part is you have to time that. Like you have to sit there and watch it cycle through, right? And then figure out where you want to go because you don't want to just jump in willy-nilly, right? No, and it, it... It plays at a specific speed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could probably say, okay, rewind. <laughs> you know, uh, go back a thousand years. You know, y- you might be able to do that. If you, but if you yeah, ask, the playback was at a specific yeah. point. But Unless you- they had like a computerized ballista where you just sit on it and at the specific point that you programmed it for, it just flew, <laughs> just flung you right in there. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, you could uh, figure that out. Or you could uh, hijack the computer. Like you could um, hack the Guardian and control it or slow it down. Sure. Or you could like interface your tricorder with it. The ballista on the edge of forever. (laughs) What? Flinging you right through that one moment in time. (laughs) 
All right, so that's my answer. Um, I think my backup answer would be <sighs> maybe one of the planets in the uh, it was the Gamma Quadrant that uh, you had to go through the wormhole to get to. Delta, that was Voyager, right? Gamma Quadrant was Deep Space Nine that they you had to go through the wormhole to get to it. So yep. probably a world in the Gamma Quadrant just because it's really far away. So uh, what planet would you want to visit in the Star Trek universe? Yeah, that's a really good question. The Klingon homeworld, because you want to drink blood wine with some warriors. I want to buy my own Batleth. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. It would be interesting to go to the planet of the Telosians. Okay. Remind me who they are again and what they're, what, what they're all about. They're the aliens that Captain Pike ends up staying with. Oh, yeah. Anything that you can imagine they can project for you. Okay. Yep. He ended up back there after um, he got all mutilated and yeah, after got the accident. Con- confined to the wheelchair with the two lights. Yep. There was only one light. You'd think that with all of the advancements <laughs> in technology, he'd get more than yes or no lights. <laughs> Well, this is 1960s future. Come on. It's one of those things where you just kind of wonder if that whole mentality of how they viewed disabled Americans, if they're like, well, it's way in the future. That's all you're going to get. You know, if there was that prevailing uh, thought process uh, at that in that time period or or what? Yeah, I don't know. I was reading an article today. Within five years, they're going to be able to 3D print cornea transplants for people. I saw that post of yours. That's very interesting. I read it too. And that is amazing. Now you can, you can get donated corneal tissue to replace your damaged tissue. Mm-hmm. So what they're going to be able to do is actually 3D print a new cornea for you uh, to insert into your eye to... You know, help people regain the vision that they've lost. And that's just, that's nuts. A good kind of nuts. Yeah. 3D printing is, that's the future right there. Absolutely. 3D printing and AI. AI 3D printing. Yep. <laughs> Which is essentially like the, uh, get their food out of. Oh, the, yeah, replicator. The replicator. Yeah. It's basically it. Yeah. In a future, you know, in some years from now, when. You know, 3D printing is so good and so fast. I could see them, you know, being able to basically make anything, you know, as long as you have the right technology and the right juice to put in it to make all this stuff. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Anyways, uh, yeah. So the Talos <laughs> Talos 4 is where I would like to go, Dave Nelson. Their heads wouldn't freak you out? Those uh, big bul- bulbous heads with the with the veins that uh, pulsate when, they, when they're trying to think or when they... When they're projecting, if if a being is going to be able to basically let me experience anything I would want to, I would not be speciest in that uh, in that regard. <laughs> like you do you, and uh, if you're good with me being here and you're willing to you know let me do this thing and pretend whatever, that would be great. Thank you. Here's my quat lose. Sign me up. <laughs> I totally forgot about Quatloos. Yes. 30 Quatloos on the newcomer. <laughs> In the news. 
First ever alien exo-civilization study says humans have three choices when it comes to climate change. Whether aliens end up being squid-faced monstrosities or Wookiees, if they've got the intelligence mm. and appropriate... <laughs> you make a great Wookiee noise. <laughs> I wish I could do that. Uh, and appropriate gripping appendages to create a civilization, they're probably going to run into the same problems as humans when it comes to climate change. At least that's what astrophysicist Adam Frank says. He and his team have published the first study mapping out possible histories of alien planets, the civilizations they grow, and the climate change that follows. All in all, it's not looking good for our hypothetical alien friends or us. Great. Yeah. Frank and his team relied on the field of population biology, which is a specialized type of ecology, and simulations of both planets' climate and the types of fuels a civilization might use to drive its growth. One high-impact fuel, similar to fossil fuels, and one low-impact fuel, similar to solar energy. According to Frank, this provides a neat little snow globe that allows researchers to watch the effect of climate change on an entire exo-civilization, the new name for an alien race. Frank is quoted as saying, we use these tools to build a simple model for the evolution of a civilization with its planet. In our approach, the exo-civilization's population and the planetary environment are braided together by energy use and its consequences. The planet gives the civilization energy resources and the civilization consumes them to do the work of civilization building. Now, though they are painting in broad strokes, the findings of this study are disturbing. Here we go. Great. Three paths presented themselves, all of which assume that the exo-civilization in question realizes that its energy use is harming the planet and tries to switch from high-impact fuel use to low impact fuel okay brad can i introduce yes. each one can i say number one yes okay here we go number one the die-off the civilization undergoes a massive population loss as the ecological blowback creates hostile conditions for life before stabilizing uh, here we go a sustainable planetary civilization was achieved but at a high cost, says Franks. In many of the models, we saw as much as 70% of the population perish before a steady state was reached. In reality, it's not clear that a complex technological civilization like ours could survive such a catastrophe. This goes back to one of the other theories as to why we haven't met aliens yet. They've died off before yep. they get a chance to achieve a certain technological advancement where they can go out into space. Correct. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, number two. The soft landing. The civilization makes the change to lower impact fuels in time and finds an equilibrium with the planet's ecosystem before they feel any significant detrimental effects. Well, that was short. Very short. Okay. And finally... Number three, 
full-blown collapse. (laughs) The civilization realizes that their actions have triggered a runaway climate change effect that can't be mitigated and subsequently goes extinct. Great. Yeah. Uh, The conclusions are dramatic, but if we've learned anything about Earth, it's that even real-life climate science has trouble explaining what's happening to our planet. There is more. Go to the uh, link that we'll have in the show notes. Uh, The website is outerplaces.com, and they have a pretty robust science section, so... I recommend you check it out. I'm going to have to see that. I want, I'm want. i interested in that website. It sounds interesting. I had a thought while you were reading. This mm-hmm. would make a cool video game to play out all these different <clears throat> scenarios. Kind yeah. of a, a world builder thing where the eventual end is up to you, basically, on how you develop your civilization. Somebody made that. Oh, yeah. There's Sim City and Sim Earth. That's what now, it. Okay. <laughs> now, the more recent versions of Sim City, I think once you got to a certain level of you know being able to build technology and whatnot, you could actually leave the city. <laughs> You'd actually blast off uh. into space. And Sim Earth, man, I the last time I played Sim Earth was on a Macintosh. In, I want to say, 1993. Yep. I I played it back then as well. And I could not get life to really start or stay uh, (laughs) after I played it for a number of hours. Uh, Everything just catastrophically died. As I recall, it was hard as well for me. Yeah, it's it's not easy. And it does go with the theory of Gaia, a living planet, that the planet, while not conscious, compensates. And whether that's not necessarily a, you know, a tree-huggy consciousness, but all of life on Earth reacts and counteracts certain things, and it all works as a a living organism as a whole. I guess is the only way to really explain it without it actually being a a person or a consciousness. So it's not uh, the living planet that from Marvel. No, it is not. <laughs> what was his name? Ego. Ego, the living planet, aka. What was the actor's name in uh, Guardians Two? Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. There you go. You know what? I I kind of want to look for a mobile game to see if there's something similar in in the mobile frontier when it comes to a game like that. I don't know. It'd be kind of interesting to play something like that, you know, on <laughs> on your mobile on your mobile device, Brad. On your mobile in Canada, they call it mobile, not mobile. Process. It's a process, Brad. Okay, sorry. It is a process. <laughs> if you have thoughts, feelings, or a strong opinion on the story that we just talked about, email. Aliens at GNCasts.com. That's aliens at GNCASTS.com. Or call our voicemail number. Area code 805-328-3966. 805-328-3966. Thank you for your feedback. Follow this Galactic Network podcast on Twitter, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
find us by searching for Galactic Network on all the major social networks or click on the icons at GNCast.com. Please identify the craft you witnessed. A black triangular three-dimensional shape, huge, just flying, hovering mimic. Shaped like almost like between an egg and like a teardrop. Two long cylinder objects flying over me. I can see the occupants in it. Appeared to be rotating and it was on circular to disc shape and it hovered for maybe about five minutes. This is where we talk about UFOs, flying saucers. Something that somebody saw one time that they think maybe it could have been an alien craft, but, you know, nine times out of ten, it's probably there's an, an earthly explanation for them. But once in a while, we'll find a good story. Like you and I always try to find one that's not obviously mistaken for something terrestrial, right? Sure. Okay. This case, for me, square... UFO spotted over the Philippines. And I think what they meant was cube because a square, that would be, it wouldn't be three-dimensional, right? A square would just be a square, only two sides. No. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, a witness in Angeles City reported watching a square, okay, or rectangular-shaped object at 700 feet, moving south toward Manila, according to testimony in case 83456 from the Mutual UFO Network or MUFON. MUFON. Thank you, Mulder. The witness is a trained observer as a U.S. Marine who was having coffee at his computer at 5.45 a.m. on May 1st 2017, when the incident began. Here we go. I heard my dogs carrying on outside and went to investigate, the witness said. At first I thought they had barked at nothing when I suddenly caught sight of the object. I watched it for 30 seconds or so before realizing that it wasn't a plane, helicopter, or hot air balloon. And He ran into the house to grab his cell phone as it was the closest camera available. The object was moving away. The object first appeared to be about 700 feet high in the air, but as the object had moved into the background of my house, it appeared to be gaining altitude, and I snapped three photos as it passed beyond the peak of the roof. The object made no sound at all, and had no visible lights of any kind. It seemed to be moving about the same speed as a small plane at first, and was completely out of sight in about three minutes or less, apparently gaining speed. The witness reviewed the images taken. When I first looked at the pictures, I thought I missed it, as it looked like a speck of dust or dirt. I then downloaded them to my desktop computer and cropped the photos, and then I could see better detail. I was a bit stunned when I saw it, as I had never seen any craft like this before, and it clearly had some type of leg structure for landing. And we have the picture on our uh, our document here, and we'll put it in the show notes. 
of the podcast. Brad, are you looking at it right now? Do you see it? I am. Yeah. What do you think of that? It looks like a cut up paper bag hovering <laughs> <laughs> in the air. If you've seen pictures of the classic game Pac-Man, it looks like one of the ghosts from Pac-Man. Oh, yeah, it does kind of. Yeah. But it looks like it's a brownish colored hovering. And that's why I said it looks kind of like a hovering paper bag. But it's got like, almost look like they're not, tendrils is the wrong word, but it just, they've got like, they almost look like rounded off triangles yeah. uh, at the bottom in four places. Yeah. Two you can see because they're kind of facing towards you, but the other two are off to either side. Either that or it looks like Mike Wazowski because it almost looks like there's an eyeball <laughs> in the center there, <laughs> like right here. It almost looks like an eyeball. <laughs> Mike Wazowski's like swallowed a bunch of helium and he's floating away and he's brown for some reason. Who's who's uh, Mike Wazowski? Oh, Mike Wazowski, Wazowski is a character from Disney Pixar's Monsters Incorporated. Okay, there we go. neat. Um, it kind of looks like it could be that one alien from The Simpsons, the ones with all the tentacles. Sure. And it's got they all they also have like a like a space helmet on, sort of. Yep. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Let us know what you think. Email aliens at gncasts.com. Call our voicemail number, 805-328-3966-805-328-3966. Number of the Beast. If you like this podcast, The Alien Invasion, and would love to support us in a very simple way, we ask that you go to gncasts.com slash support. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com slash support and click on the Patreon link. Uh, Now with Patreon, we're just asking for a few dollars a month. It's not per episode, it's per month at one, three, and five dollar levels. And each level has its own perk. Like you can get your name mentioned on our shows, not just this show, but all of our other podcasts that are part of the Galactic Network network. You can get a whole message read and other perks, other other things that you'll get for your dollar, three dollar, five dollar a month support of the network. So again, go to gncasts.com slash support, click on that Patreon link, and I believe we also have a link to our Amazon affiliate link on that page as well. So if you're going to be doing some shopping on Amazon, uh, click that link and support us that way as well. GNCasts.com slash support. And we thank you. Watching, reading, playing, making. This is the part of the podcast where we talk about something that we have watched, listened to, played, made, uh... Anything involving aliens of some kind in an entertainment sort of a way. And uh, this time around, it's Brad with his pick or warning. Could be either. For those of you who have been listening to the the program for a while, know that Dave and I have a, uh, a love for the CW show Supergirl. Mm-hmm. And one of the big mysteries this season is 
three of the Legion of Superheroes comes back in time to uh, fix an issue and Supergirl is there. There are three other tubes, all six. There were six Legion uh, Legionnaires, Legion of Superhero members who are in like these cryostasis tubes. Now we've only seen three. We've seen Brainiac five. We've seen uh, Imra Ardeen or Saturn Girl, and we've seen Monel. Monel was Kara's love interest last season. But we've got these three other tubes, and there's been no mention as to what other. There's Legionnaires in there, but they haven't said who. And the episode eighteen, which aired uh, the beginning of May on the CW, mentions one of the three people in the tubes. Now, the reason why they're still in the tubes is because they had been infected with something called the blight and it was going to kill them. So Brainiac five being the super, obviously Brainy, uh, the super smart guy put them in stasis until they could figure out a cure or get rid of the person who becomes blight and carries this disease throughout the, throughout the galaxy. And that one of the Legionnaires is Chameleon or Chameleon Boy. And he is a Durlin. What is a Durlin? Yes, I was thinking that. What is a Durlin, Brad? <laughs> Do you remember Linda Carter playing the president? Mm-hmm. And she is an alien? Yeah. She is a Durlin. Oh, okay. They are a shape-shifting race that can shift into any known creature or mammal, whatever, reptile, doesn't matter. And he can take that shape. He can look like another person if he wants to. So he gets to do a lot of stealth type missions because he can become other creatures or look like other people. He's the ultimate disguise artist. We don't get to see him in this episode, but we at least get to hear his name. And I was just, I was clapping. I was like, ah! Oh, that's so awesome. And you know, Anessa was sitting next to me going, "What?" Did you and did you explain to her who, I, who you he know, was? whenever we watch a show and there's some kind of easter egg, I will lean over, I'll go, "I'll have my comic nerd moment and then I'll explain what it's about." Do you pause you know, whether it? Whether we're we're pausing or if it's a quick, you know, little explanation, I'll give that to her right away cuz nobody likes that guy. Like <laughs> That's really cool. What, what, what is it? Uh, never mind. You won't understand. <laughs> no, I want to explain that and share that with her and tell her about it. Or I can, I've got God knows how many comics and trade paperbacks that we can look at stuff and whatever. So that's something that we share and enjoy. Uh, in this particular episode, they do mention the Durlin uh, chameleon. They call him chameleon, but you know, in, in the classic DC Comics, he's called Chameleon Boy. Everybody in the Legion of Superheroes, because they all started out as teenagers, they are either boy or lad at the end of their name. Sun Boy, Cosmic Boy, Lightning Lad. <laughs> 1960s, thank you. Yep, absolutely. But when you get into more, instead of Shadow Lass, we had, oh crap, now I can't remember what they called her, not Shade. Something like that. So, I mean, they tried to update the names so they don't sound like 
you know, they're trapped in the 50s or early 60s. So they call him Chameleon. We're towards the end of the season of Supergirl. And, you know, the big bad this season is a character called Rain, who is a like a sleeper Kryptonian. Mm -hmm. That's a good way of describing her. Yeah. And who was shot to Earth from Krypton before it was destroyed to basically kill Kara Zor-El. They had a thing against the House of L. <laughs> yeah, so that's basically her job. And what's really weird and they haven't explained is this Rain character, or Samantha, as she is known her it's like a dual personality. It's mm -hmm. the best way to explain it. There is Sam or Samantha, and then there is Rain. And Samantha had a baby in her teens. We don't know who the father was or anything. And, and you know, that may not even be important at all. But she has this daughter called Ruby. And the Rain personality of Samantha knows that the only way that Samantha will fully submit and leave that portion of her psyche behind and let Rain fully take over the body, because there's kind of like a struggle between the two, and they'll flip back and forth. Uh, and the Rain personality knows that Samantha will completely give up if her daughter is killed. That is Rain's current mission is to kill Ruby. Um, so Supergirl's adopted sister is working to keep Ruby safe in this episode. So the big takeaway here is that the president of the United States in the Supergirl National City universe of the Arrowverse, uh, Earth 38, is uh, a Durlin and this chameleon is a 31st century Durlin. That is a part of the Legion of Superheroes. Did you watch this week's episode yet? I believe I did. That's the one with the alien that was trying to kill Alex, correct? Yes. Yeah. And Monel and Kara went into space. Yes. And they landed on that thing. Yeah. That I'm not going to say because that could be a spoiler. It's very significant and it's one of the reasons why they recast a particular character. Oh, that's right. That is a different uh, actress. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. I have one other question pertaining to the Arrowverse, not Supergirl, yes. but The Flash for next season. Okay. They're supposed to be introducing Batwoman, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think she's going to be in their universe, or do you think she's going to be in some other universe, like, uh, like Supergirl's not in on their Earth? Were I a betting man, because I know that they slipped in to an episode of Arrow this season, they mentioned Bruce Wayne. Yeah. They didn't mention Batman, but they mentioned Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. So I have a, were I a betting man, I think that Batwoman is from the Arrowverse, yeah. from that particular Earth. Yeah, and I think they're also going to mention, they're also going to bring in the concept of Gotham City, too. So, yeah, and they did mention Gotham yeah. as well. Okay, here's a quick bit of down low on Batwoman. Okay. Okay, Batwoman is a former, well, her father was uh, in the military and he trained his daughter to be kind of a, a badass. Her name is Kathy Kane. She was first introduced in uh, uh, the mid to late 50s 
and she had kind of a goofy costume and she was like this poser who wanted to be Batman and was totally infatuated with him. But this newer version of Batwoman is a complete badass. <laughs> and she is like a take no prisoners. She was inspired by Batman, which is why she became Batwoman and has a costume that has a number of nods to his costume. Now, what's really interesting is Kathy Kane is romantically linked to Maggie Sawyer mm. in the comics. Yep, I heard that. Now, we've seen, if you've watched CW's Supergirl, you know that Kara's sister, Alex, was dating a Maggie Sawyer. So whether or not they have a Maggie Sawyer in the universe that Batwoman's from, or whether that, you know, for all we know, maybe that Batwoman is from from Supergirl's world. We, I mean, we don't know yet. But like I said, if I were a, a betting man, I would say uh, she's from Arrow's Earth One. Either way, next season's going to be pretty cool because of the introduction of a certain character in the season finale of The Flash. Yeah, a lot of speculation as to what's going to happen there. <laughs> well, we got a few months to wait. And yeah, I, based on a couple of things that have kind of been leaked, we're going to get explanations of that particular character's appearances throughout this current season. Yeah, that just she, was, she was scattered. Like She would appear once in a while, and they didn't really explain who she was or... You know, she didn't really introduce she herself. She's the mystery girl. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All and right. She seems like in different, like emotional states when we see her each time. Yeah. So it may somehow dovetail with her ability. Oh, I don't want to give anything away. Okay. It's going to be explained okay. this coming season. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for the uh, DC lesson once again. Brad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I no. zoned out and. I'm like a shark when they feed. Oh, comic books, and my eyes roll back in my head. Start vomiting well, comic we information all, at you. We all benefit from that, Brad, so thank you. <laughs> Just don't bite us. We'll be good. <laughs> I promise. Please subscribe to this Galactic Network podcast by going to gncast.com slash subscribe. Or search iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or anywhere podcasts are offered. That's going to do it for this episode of The Alien Invasion, a Galactic Network podcast. If you'd like to read more about the stories that we covered on this episode or, you know, uh, read more about the things that we watched, click the links in the show notes. We would like to thank a few people, including Monkey Warhol, for giving us the intro song called Alien Syndrome. You can find out more about that tune and his other music at monkeywarhol.bandcamp.com. Also, Rutwad von Dürnberg, a composer from Germany, for our closing song called Be Water. His website is thecaravel.net, T-H-E-C-A-R-V-E-L.net. And finally, thanks to Ben Olson. Hi, Ben. Thank he, you. He recorded uh, our disclaimer audio at the very start of the episode, and his website is benolson.com. As we always do to wrap up each episode, final thought, Brad, you got one this week? 
I am so looking forward to getting this 3D printer because I have a list. I know I've mentioned this before, but that list keeps on growing. And there are some alien type things that I want to, to print as well. Wait a second. I thought you already had a 3D printer. Not yet. It has not arrived. Oh. It keeps getting pushed back because of unseen, unforeseen issues with mass producing a, a device uh, uh, in China when oh. they are based in the United States. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, I have one right across the street. Like, if I wanted to use uh, our library, which we're, we live right next to the library, has, mm-hmm. I think, two 3D printers. So if I wanted to print something, I could. So I may, I don't know, who knows? One day I may uh, go over there just to check it out. Because one thing that I want to do, one of these 3D websites that I follow, somebody made like a key to the Fortress of Solitude Ooh, for Superman. That'd be neat. And it's like a crystal-looking thing that has, like, they look like bits of, like, a key that would stick into something. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I want to do is be able to print it out, smooth it out, and then take a mold of it and then cast it in, like, clear resin. Oh, that'd So be it cool. looks like it's a crystal shard piece, like it would be if it were Kryptonian technology. Yeah. Then you make a whole bunch more and, and build the, the fortress. <laughs> make that in the backyard. That'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. Neighbors won't complain. No, not at all. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Okay, bye. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. 